You know, I was uh, talking to a guy I met a couple weeks ago. His name was Bobby, and he lives right around here, around the church. And uh, so I saw Bobby out in his front yard. He was working on uh, one of his boats. He's got three old boats that he's all fixing up, and, and they're really cool. And uh, so we were talking about his boats that he hopes to get out on the water soon. And, uh, and, and then as I was talking to him, I asked him if he went to church anywhere. And uh, he said he did before the pandemic, but he wasn't going anywhere right now. And so I encouraged him, hey, it's, I think church is a good thing. I encourage you to get back in the church. And, uh, he, and uh, he said, he kind of made a little comment that, you know, he wasn't planning on doing that. So I thought, well, maybe this is my opportunity to invite him to our church. I said, hey, if it's, if it's not to the church you're going to before, I'd uh, love to see you come to our church, West Covina Christian Church. In fact, it'd make my day the day I see you walk through the doors. And uh, he said, don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. And not in a mean-spirited way. Like, I didn't take offense to it. Like I said, I liked Bobby from the moment I met him. But I could tell, like, for him, uh, church really wasn't on the radar screen, and not right now at least. And, uh, and his don't-hold-your-breath comment kind of is stuck in my mind because I think for many people like him that church has become quite optional. In fact, Christian community in general seems quite optional. Good people that, that uh, believe in God and, and claim to follow Jesus have kind of had church squeezed out of their daily, their weekly routine. And church has become quite optional. Now, I, ha- I think I have good theology, like I've studied the Bible a lot, and I know for a fact that going to church doesn't get you into heaven. You're ch- uh, uh, you being a Christian, uh, it doesn't depend on uh, how many times you, you put your foot through the church doors. And so when I talk to Bobby, I, I begin to wonder, is Christian community actually optional? If we're really honest with ourselves, is Christian community optional? Well, Paul in the New Testament obviously thought churches were important. He started a lot of them. One of the churches he started was in the uh, city of Thessalonica. And uh, and in the New Testament, we we have one of our books is called 1 Thessalonians. It's a a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. And, uh, And he wrote this letter after having been away from them for a while. And as you read this letter, there's a little section that we're going to look at right in the middle of the book in which Paul, uh, you begin to get a sense of Paul's heart where he says, I've got to see you. Speaking of holding your breath, he's, he's almost like, I can't hold it any longer. I've got to come and see you. And he writes these uh, words to uh, the Thessalonian church. And I think it's going to be quite helpful for us as we wrestle with this question. If we're honest... Isn't church quite optional? This is 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 3, 5. Uh, It says, But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, 
Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. When we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For we know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, we were, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And it has turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might be in vain. So I think this has a lot to say about our question this morning. Isn't church optional? Isn't Christian community quite optional? Let's go before the Lord and ask his help. Father God, as we turn to your word now, we pray that you would come and speak to us. We know that while Paul is the author of this letter, that ultimately it has a divine author as well. That you have given these words for our instruction, for our reproof, for our building up and training us in righteousness. And so we pray that you would teach us and convict us and encourage us and strengthen us to be uh, the people that you want us to be. So God, we pray that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when we read this passage, uh, I notice several parallels from what Paul says to our experience today. In fact, it's almost kind of spooky. There's, there's several things that just line up. And uh, so when we go over this passage, first thing uh, we notice is that Paul says that they were separated in person but not in thought. In fact, that in-person, that's like the language you, you, we use all the time, right? We have in-person gatherings. We have online gatherings. But Paul says they were separated in person, but not in thought. And surely that has been the case for us at times as well, right? We've been separated in, uh, from each other physically, but emotionally we've tried to stay connected. And as Paul goes through this, you can sense that his separation that he's talking about has, is quite emotional for him. He says, he compares himself, he says he feels like an orphan. You know, an orphan that is lonely, that longs for his, his or her family. And he, and he says that he's this intense longing. He says that there's been several times, he says, that he and his companions have made every effort to see them. And again, I, I see a parallel there because it reminds us of how we have made every effort to see one another. Like when we think of the, even the, uh, us as a church through virtual meetings and face masks and live stream and outdoor service, we've really made every effort to see one another. And how long was it that Paul was separated from the Thessalonians? 18 months. Now, is that not kind of eerie? 
It's almost uh, exactly the time uh, that we have had to go through this pandemic period. And then while I am sure that we have not been perfect, each of us individually or as a church have tried to discern what is best for us and for our family during this pandemic period. And again, another parallel. Paul says the same type of thing in 3.1. We thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. Discernment uh, through all of this has been hard, right? Like, people have differences of opinions about masks and about vaccinations and about gathering together. But ultimately, I think each of us is seeking to discern what we honestly feel is best for us and for our family. And and we as a church have tried to discern what is best for us all the way along. And so these issues are difficult. And I'm, I'm not even trying to make a statement one way or another. All I'm saying is that we can resonate with Paul here and we say we've, we've d- done our best. Whatever we thought best in the time, just like Paul said, we thought it best to stay in Athens for the time being. We've each thought to do our best. So there's a lot of parallels here. And then I wonder if there is a parallel with what Paul says about Satan. Because Paul says that it was Satan who blocked them from seeing one another. Now, that's not something that Paul just says lightly. In fact, there's been other times where Paul has been presented to going to a city and visiting a church, and he credits the Holy Spirit. He said, the Spirit of Jesus kept me from going. But in this particular instance, he says, Satan blocked their way. And while God has used this pandemic in many ways, and we, we could go on and on and give examples of good things that have come about, I do think that Satan has been working overtime, and he's done a lot of damage to people's faith, and there's been a lot of harm to the church. Have you noticed how irritable people are, how agitated, how angry people are with one another? Satan's been working overtime. Satan's been working to try to turn people against one another, uh, uh, sow seeds of distrust and turn one group against another. Satan has been working overtime. And Satan has tried to stir up divisions in the church. Chelsea was talking to one of her friends this past week. Her her friend is uh, the wife of a pastor of another church. And, uh, and so there, there's chatting away, and Chelsea's obviously pastor's wife. She's a pastor's wife. They're talking about all of these things. And she shares that in her church, the church has been uh, basically divided over the whole issue of masks. That some people have left the church because they said, I don't want to wear that mask anymore. I'm not going to wear that mask. And then others have come and said, so-and-so's not wearing the mask. I'm leaving the church. You, you get what I'm saying? How silly it is that we would uh, let the, Satan get a foothold over something so small as masks. Like uh, Chelsea's friend said, uh, she said she just wants to say, that's the hill you're going to die on. That's the cross you're going to die on. In fact, what she said is, that's the cross you're going to die on. The cross you're supposed to die on is Jesus' cross. And uh, let me just pause and say, thank you. 
<laughs> like, thank you to this church. Like, I'm so thankful that we, that, uh, we, don't let, we haven't let the evil one come in and try to divide us over something so small because we got bigger fish to fry. There's a lost and dying world all around us. We need to be strengthened in our faith. But Satan has been working overtime. And man, would he love to divide a church. And how many churches have been divided over so, uh, such small things here and there? And I believe that he's been working overtime in the fact that there are many who have had Christian community squeezed out of their lives during this time. Right? There have been a lot that have had just said, I'm not going down that path anymore. Christian community has become optional for them. I'm reminded of what the preacher in Hebrews says. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In a weird way, we see the value of Christian community by the fact that our enemy, the devil, is trying to keep us from it. Like, we see that it's important, and we see that it's valuable. Like, he's been working overtime to try to, uh, to, try to hurt and harm Christian community. Uh, and in, and in, a, in, a, in a completely different line, but same truth, we see that Paul also sees the value, and he longs for Christian community. As we said, he's, he's been saying, I can't hold my breath anymore. i got to come and see you. And so now let me ask the question, why? What are, the, are there any specifics of why this is important? Well, I think verse 19 is the answer. First Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? When Paul uh, writes to the Thessalonians, he describes his relationship with them as his joy, his, or his hope, his joy, and his crown. And I think uh, buried in these three little fr uh, phrases are three unique qualities about the value of Christian community. Things that we get here more than we get in any other community. You see, when we gather together as Christian communities, as a Christian community, we are growing each other's hope. Being together as Christians grows us in hope. What is hope? Well, hope is different than optimism. Optimism is you look around and everything is going well and uh, you're, you're happy with uh, the direction of things. And hope it looks around and says, I am not happy with the direction of things, but I know that God still exists and his plans will still be carried out. You see, as Christians, I'm not too optimistic, but I am very hopeful because my optimism doesn't uh, rest in uh, in circumstances or in what we go, uh, see going on, but my optimism rests in the character of God, or my, my hope rests in the character of God. When we gather together as a body of believers, we are gathering together to grow in hope. 
That's why we sing these worship songs, so that we can uh, be reminded of, of God's sovereignty and His love for us. That's why we open up God's Word. We, we ground ourselves in the teaching of, of the Christian Scriptures because it teaches us who God is and where He's going with all of this. It grounds us in hope. We give, we give one another testimonies, even in our conversation. Big testimonies and little testimonies have encouraged me so many times when I felt hopeless. You know, sometimes it's just a little side comment that someone will say to you, and you're like, oh yeah, that's what I needed this morning. And it gives you hope. Sometimes it's big testimonies. You know, I, I'll just put this, uh, I just mentioned this in passing right now. On October 10th, we're having a big testimony. October 10th, uh, Shizuka and Paul are going to stand up and they're going to tell about uh, how God has healed Shizuka. It's, it's the most, uh, the closest thing to a clear and definitive miracle that I have ever been a part of or, or witnessed. And it's a big testimony. In fact, put it on your calendars, October 10th. It's going to be a friends and family day. Invite those that, you know, that are wondering about the existence of God because it's a fantastic testimony. These testimonies, big or small, they grow within us hope. And so we gather together as Christian communities because we need, because we need hope. And we look around the world around us, and it's pretty hopeless right now, Right? In fact, I was just talking with someone this morning. There's a lot of really depressing things going on. A lot of really discouraging things. And so this morning I encourage you as we gather together to hear God's word and to take hope because God is in control. Paul says that we gather together because we receive hope. And then he also says that the, the church in Thessalonica is his Joy. Being together as Christians sparks within us joy. Just as hope is not optimism, joy is not happiness. You see, happiness goes up and down based on our circumstances, right? But I've been with people that have been in the worst circumstances, and they're still full of joy. How is that possible? Because they know that God loves them, and they know that uh, He is in control in their lives. They're grounded in their faith in, in Him. And so happiness comes and goes, but joy can be like, like that deep stream of water that continues just to fill our soul and fill us up because God loves us. You see, when we gather together, we stir up joy from verses like Romans 8.28, which says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So do you believe that? I do. I hope that uh, we, we have trust and confidence that God is working all things together for our good. It sparks within us joy. And then Paul gives one more reason, and he says, I can't take it any longer. I can't hold my breath. I've got to meet with you. Why? Because you are my crown. You see, being together as, as a Christian community produces in us or gives us an opportunity to earn eternal rewards. Paul mentions a crown here, and when he does, he, he refers to when Jesus comes back. One day, every one of us will stand before our Maker, and uh, we will give an account of our lives. Now, whether we get into heaven is not based on our good deeds. 
In fact, the Bible has made it clear that when we stand before a holy and righteous God, our good deeds are like filthy rags. And so this is the good news of the cross, that Jesus has lived a perfect life and he dies a sacrificial death for us, that if we were to place our faith and our trust in him, then our wickedness is transferred and placed on him on the cross, and his righteousness is transferred and placed on us when we put our trust in him. But that does not mean that our good deeds have no value for eternity. In fact, Jesus talks about storing up treasures in heaven. And one uh, person told me, if you want to store up treasures in heaven, the way you do that is by investing in the people that will one day be there. And, uh, and there's more to it than that. Like God, God has called us to go out into the world and to evangelize and to share the gospel and take care of the creation that he has done. But so much of how we obey the Lord and we uh, store up for ourselves treasures in heaven is done with one another. In fact, most of the commands in the New Testament are one another commands. Love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. Uh, honor one another, support one another, be humble and kind towards one another. And the list could go on and on. There's at least 59 one another commands in the New Testament. And so, so much of what God has called us to do is right here among one another. And when we do, we're strengthened and built up to be the people of God that he wants us to be. We go out into the world and do the work that he wants us to do. But, we, but so much of how we earn the crown is based on how we treat one another. The crown mentioned here in the Greek is actually not like a king's ruling crown. It's more like the wreath that a, an Olympian would give if, would receive if he won the race. See, we are called to persevere in doing good for one another and thus earn eternal rewards. So we've been circling around this question several times this morning, right? Isn't Christian community quite optional today? And, uh, you know, Bobby got me thinking along these lines. And I, and I think that, you know, a lot of people would say, yeah, it's quite optional. Well, I suppose if we're trying to just get into heaven by the skin of our teeth, then we could say that, yeah, Christian community is optional. But God has called us to so much more. In fact, Jesus is not the God of the minimum. He's the God of the maximum. He's, he's coming, and when he came, he said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You see, if Jesus just wants us to have minimal joy and minimal hope, then sure, go ahead, squeeze Christian community out of our schedule and fill it up with all kind of worldly things. This world that Satan is corrupting and wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and, steal, kill, and destroy your hope and joy. But Jesus wants more. He's not come just to give you an entrance ticket into heaven. He wants you to experience the whole show. He wants you to have it all. Now, part of what that means is that he has created us for community. When God created us in his image, and he said, let us make man in 
our image, in our likeness, he created, uh, 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 he created us. Part of what that means is he's created us for relationships, just as he has perfect love within the Trinity. He has created us for relationships. And there's all kinds of good communities out there. And I encourage every one of them, encourage you to have good community among your friends and your family and your social groups and with the parents of your kids, that, uh, of, the, of the kids that your kids do activities with. And, and all these groups, there's a lot of good community and take advantage of all of it. But know for sure that there is something unique and special about Christian community. You see, the God who has created us to be relational and in community with one another is also the God who created the church. And right from the beginning, uh, Jesus' followers, his disciples and others, began to meet together in community. And they would pray together, and they would fellowship together, and they'd worship together. And the church was built up like that so that they could experience all of God's blessing. So I would say that if this is God's plan, if it is God who has created us as relational beings, and if it is he who has organized and ordained the church to be Christian community, then according to these plans of God, Christian community is not optional. In fact, deep down inside, we long for hope and joy because those desires have been planted in our souls by an all-loving, beautifully good creator God. And that hope and joy are best cultivated in Christian communities of worship and prayer and God's word and fellowship. And so if that is true, then I would say no. Christian community is not optional. And if there is a life to come after this life, a life with a crown and rewards to be experienced for all eternity, then know for sure that Christian community is not optional. You see, the church with all its foibles and flaws and failures is still Jesus' church. Like Jesus is still the head of it. And there's no perfect church. But God loves his church. And he loves to bless those who are faithful to it. In fact, I just I I, I hope this feels like an encouragement to you because you're here. <laughs> and I just want to encourage us to know that God's blessing uh, comes as we gather together. There is the power of being together. So yeah, I would say Christian community is not optional because it is here where God grows within us hope, stirs within us joy, and where we pursue a crown which will last forever. And so over the course of the next few weeks, we'll talk about the power of together in different ways. We'll talk about the power of praying together and studying the word together and worshiping together and trusting in God together. But today we are grounded in that simple truth that there is power in being together. And according to God's wonderful plan for us, Christian community is not optional. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's, a, that's a good word. I hope, you've, I hope you sense it. 
because I, I know that God is a good God and he's given us a lot of good gifts and, uh, and he's blessed us in so many ways. And so uh, this is an encouragement to just uh, take advantage of all those blessings, live in it, because God has given us a lot. So uh, let's go before the Lord and thank God. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the power of together, that when we gather together, we are given the opportunity to encourage one another and to pray for one another, to fellowship with one another and all these things and, and so much more so that we might be built up to experience all the life that you have for us. God, you are not a God of the minimum. You are a God of the maximum. God, I thank you that you love us so much. I thank you that, with, that even within this church, and there's thousands of churches all over the face of this world that are meeting together this morning that you are very pleased with. But I thank you that you look upon us and you smile, not because we're perfect by any means, but because we're yours and you love us and we pray that you would help us to follow you and just to worship you because of who you are. We thank you that you care so much about us. And so we lift this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.